Can you guys hear me? Sorry, hold on. 32 super fans. I, I couldn't understand a word that was said. Every angle of the NFL covered. You fired up for that, man? Huh? This. We on go time. We, we still on go. Hold on, hold on. The name of the hurricane is Hurricane. This is Next Fan Up. We're live, bro. Hello and welcome Gorging, stuffing. <laughs> oh, you had a wonderful holiday on food and football. I am James, your Eagles uh, super fan here, joined again by MJ, our Falcon super fan. This is Next Fan Up for week 13 already. MJ, how was your holiday? How, how, how are you doing this part of the um, season? I'm actually doing pretty good. Um, the holiday was okay, I guess. You know, had some time off from work, ate lots of food. Um, it was good. How about yours? Well, you know, football. Uh, right. She can be a fickle mistress at times. <laughs> <laughs> very, very fickle. And a point to a lot of teams and fan bases out there to pump your brakes. <laughs> I'll be bashing my team later on in the show. But before we get into that, I just want to remind everybody listening, if you want to reach out to us and yell at us, complain at us, call us idiots or morons, <laughs> our email address is nextfanup at gmail.com. You can also reach out to us on Facebook or Twitter at nextfanup. And a little bit of news to start before we get into the games. Um, In case you haven't heard, Adrian Peterson who signed like four weeks ago with the Tennessee Titans and then was cut two weeks later is now been signed by the Seattle Seahawks. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, 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 that's one big piece of news. I mean, if you want to consider that big, I'll get into the next big piece because it's going to dovetail right into our first game that we're going to cover for this week on Thursday night. But yeah, Peterson, not, not not more than a week and a half being cut from Tennessee lands on the Seahawks practice squad. And I'm not sure their running game is that big of an issue where they're citing Peterson after Monday night's debacle because the offense really didn't get moving until the fourth quarter when they absolutely had to score. Um, one of two bird teams that look like turkeys this past weekend. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at you, Philadelphia. Um, yeah, so I, I, look. I understand that it's a stopgap measure, but Adrian Peterson is not a stopgap running back. If you're going to put this dude on your team or you're considering him on your short list, you might as well bring him into training camp at the beginning of the season so that the transition from whoever your default starters are when they get hurt, he can seamlessly transition in there because for the two weeks he was in there with Tennessee, nah, he didn't look right. You know, you can call the same plays that you do with Henry for Peterson. Eh, our offensive line just wasn't too sure because they don't know how he's going to attack those those blocking schemes. You know, they're used to how Henry runs up inside and to the edge, how they're going to turn their blocks inside, outside. You got a guy coming in for a week trying to gel with the blocking the blocking scheme and the run game. That Not a recipe for success. Look, I, I guess Seattle calls themselves just throwing caution to the wind at this point. They're three and eight now. This isn't going to turn around their season. 
<laughs> I'm sorry. Justin, I know you're listening. You're going to be putting this thing together later. I'm sorry for bashing your team. You don't need more piling on after Monday night. That beating was bad enough. Uh, well, let's move into our Thursday night game to start off this week. We have on NFL Network the Dallas Cowboys and the New Orleans Saints. The uh, game is in New Orleans. The Cowboys hold steady at 10 in our power rankings. They are four-and-a-half-point favorites. The New Orleans Saints fall one spot from 18 to 19. And our Saints fan does send us, I know my my, uh, pessimism is becoming a trend at this point, but as long as the Saints are missing half the starters due to injury, and seven of those being on offense, I'm not expecting too much. It does appear the Saints will be starting Taysom Hill, who is suffering from a plantar fascist and the lingering effects of a concussion. Two things you want to <laughs> two things you want your first string quarterback to have. Will this be better than Trevor Simeon? Probably not <laughs> if this is uh, his surrounding cast. I would expect Breeze to win if he was missing his left tackle, right tackle starting running back, starting receiver, starting tight end, left guard, backup right tackle, backup left tackle. That's what we'll be starting third string bookends against the Cowboys. Winston should be the seventh if you're counting. It is what it is, and what it will be is a Cowboys win. Um, Yeah, I, I feel bad for our Saints fan. This, this is ugly. The injury report is basically a laundry list of who's who. and, and, and I don't know if this is going to make him feel any better, but there has been, I'm not going to say an outbreak, but there has been uh, some contact of COVID-19 in the Cowboys facility. Uh, Last count, it was nine to 10 players and coaches. Most notably, Mike McCarthy, the head coach, will not be available for the game. Uh, It has been decided that Bob McAdoo, one of the assistants, former Giants head coach, will be the uh, acting head coach on the sidelines for this game tomorrow night. Uh, it was thought at one point that MJ, your former head coach and defensive coordinator currently, Dan Quinn was going to assume the the, uh, the head coaching responsibilities. But no, it is Bob McAdoo and Dallas is dealing with their own laundry list of injuries, including Cedric Wilson, Amari Cooper. Wilson will be out. Cooper still questionable. Um, CeeDee Lamb is might be out. He was a full participant in practice on Wednesday, but it is uncertain whether he's going to actually participate. Uh, Blake Jarwin is out because he is one of those players on the COVID list. Uh, Terrence Steele, their offensive tackle, has been placed on the COVID list. So um, it's a number of people here offensively uh, who are going to be missing for Dallas. It's going to look like this. I'm not going to say the same skeleton crew from Thanksgiving night, but very close. MJ, your thoughts? With, so I went into this picking, picking the Cowboys hands down, no questions asked. Then I got to thinking about all the injuries that both teams have right now. And even with McAdoo pulling the right, holding the reins uh, of this game, that's going to be interesting. Um, but pound for pound, I'm still going with the Cowboys. The Saints, it, I don't think the Saints would have won the game anyway. Um, I have always gone with Dallas on this game. 
But I think if they had more of their starters, the game would be a bit more interesting as it stands right now. I'm not going to sit here and say that Dallas is just going to completely obliterate the Saints, but it's not going to be the score I don't believe will illustrate the performance that we see on the field. I'll say it that way. The Cowboys well, I, I, are going I think the to key start. Well, yeah. I would say the key starter missing in all of this for the Saints is why I pretty much feel they have no chance is Jameis Winston. I mean, Trevor Simeon has held this together with duct tapes and Sean Payton's play calling, but now they're starting Taysom Hill at quarterback. So he hasn't proven that he can play the position all that effectively. I mean, no, no, no much better than, than Trevor Simeon, but I mean, that's not saying much. Right. So. All right, we'll leave it at that for for that matchup. Moving on to Sunday at 1 o'clock on Fox, we'll be starting with MJ, your Atlanta Falcons, hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Buccaneers fall from 2 to 3 in the power rankings, but they are 11-point favorites over your Atlanta Falcons. And, I mean, you're riding with your home squad. Please do tell. I'm riding with the home squad. Um, with, division, with divisional games, you never know what you're going to get. Um, I go back to that first game that we lost against Tampa Bay. I think the score was 45 to 20, 48 to 25. That's what it was, 48 to 25. Yeah, it got ugly um, real fast. It, it did. It got ugly real fast. However, some of those points, Honestly, I think we're – I'm not going to say they were garbage points, but the, Falcon, the, the, the Falcons broke down in the fourth quarter because before the fourth quarter um, – or going into the fourth quarter, it was 25-28 because the Bucks put up the, – they put up 20 points in the fourth quarter, which is definitely an embarrassing thing to see um, – your team let happen. It's 20 points in the fourth quarter. That's ridiculous. Um, but again, going into the fourth quarter, it was 25-28. The Falcons stood a reasonable chance of pulling that game out had the defense not just completely collapsed in the fourth quarter. Um, I thought also, it was the two pick sixes that Matt Ryan threw on back-to-back drives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, th- th- those yeah. would definitely hurt. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, no, don't get me wrong. Those, those definitely hurt. Um, I'm trying to remember if those were. Yeah, those are back-to-back. I, I'm not going to. Yeah, no, 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 no. I remember them being back-to-back. I was trying to remember exactly what happened, but that was too far back for me to think about. But, again, going in at 25-28, there was a reasonable chance that the Falcons could have won that game. Reasonable. Um. <laughs> What we've also been seeing is the team getting better week by week. Um, and watching last week's game against Jacksonville, one thing that I noticed, um, and I'm sure anybody who actually watched the game saw this as well, was Cordero Patterson. Anytime he wasn't on the field, he was on the sideline, getting worked on, staying loose, because I still don't believe he's 100%. Actually, we can clearly see that he's not 100%. Uh, from his ankle injury, as illustrated by them keeping him on the bike to get him to keep him loose, 
there were there was one play in particular where after he stood up, he actually called in for another back as he ran to the sideline to get his ankle looked at, and they taped it up. Uh, you could see some of the the footage from the sideline. They taped it up extra tight. So he's clearly still dealing with an ankle injury, but he's trying to power through it. Um, and I think that kind of commitment and effort will inspire others on the team to do to to have a little bit more oomph when they go out on the field. Um, also, we're we, we're seeing some improvement in the passing game as well. So I, I while yes, the numbers are not in our favor. Seeing what I've seen performance wise out of the Falcons, seeing what they're doing. I'm inclined to go ahead and give them a close win in this game. It's going to come down to a field goal or a touchdown. All right. It, 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 it's Tom Brady. Um, you know, I, 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 he, he, he's known for shredding defenses. And, you know, yours, with the exception of the Jaguars, has struggled this season. Uh, I will say there is good news. Uh, the injury report here for the Buccaneers does show that Antonio Brown is expected to miss two more games. So, I mean, that's one less target for Tom you have to worry about. Um, and Aaron Stinney, the guard for the Buccaneers, has been placed on injury reserve. Uh, Vita V and William Golson, defensive tackle, defensive end, respectively, are listed as questionable. And the only name on the Falcons injury report is Stephen Means, your linebacker, who's been designated to return from injury reserve. Uh, defensive end Jonathan Bullard shows up as questionable. So all things considered healthy, but yeah, I do think Cordero Patterson is the X factor of your offense. If he's not out there, you guys sputter way too much. <laughs> way I mean, and, 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 and the other thing to think about, the offensive line has been playing better the last couple of weeks. They've been playing better. I don't know that it's going to be enough to keep Matt Ryan upright for the majority of this game. But with one of the things we saw within the last couple of weeks as the games are getting closer to the end, Arthur Smith has been playing around with the offensive lineup. He's been putting some of the rookies in, getting them some playing time, getting them some reps, and they've looked decent. They've looked decent, you know, for rookie offensive linemen in the NFL. Um, I don't know how well they will do against Tampa Bay and their defensive front, but it's nice to know that we've seen them in there get some reps and see them, you know, looking decent. All right. The next 1 o'clock game on the docket is the Arizona Cardinals, who hold steady in our top position in our power rankings at number one. Visiting the Chicago Bears who move up from 26 to 24, the Cardinals are eight-point favorites. Look. No brainer. Everyone's picking the Cardinals in this one. I, I think the only question is who's starting for the Chicago Bears to see if you think they're going to cover the eight point spread at this point. Um, Arizona's had a bye three games without Kyler Murray, allowing him to get healthy. They won two of those three with their backup, Colt McCoy. Um, Murray is still listed as questionable as of today with his ankle, but all signs of pointing to him being in the lineup and starting along with DeAndre Hopkins with his hamstring. Um, I, I don't really see any reasonable way 
the Bears D holds up against the Cardinals offense. It, it, there's too much going on there. Um, you know, Kirk, Green, Connor, too many playmakers. It, it, it's Chase Edmonds, uh, just excuse me, not Chase. Uh, Chase Edmonds is due to return from injury reserve, but he may need another week. Um, but even without him, th- there's too much firepower in this offense for the Bears defense to just hang like that. I will say weather might be an issue, which may be my only concern, considering this is now December. Uh, a- a- MJ, any idea what the weather report says for that game? Um, the weather report for that game is they're playing in Chicago. And wait, it's going to be oh, I just had it in front of me. Um, it's going to be forty degrees. So okay. cold. <laughs> while that that's probably that's that's probably you know Chicago Chicago fans get out there and it's like all right, this is warm, we're good. Arizona's <laughs> going to get out there in this forty degree weather. And I don't, I don't necessarily think 40-degree weather is going to seriously hamper their performance, especially once they get out there and they start moving, the adrenaline starts kicking in. Now, if it were something more in the neighborhood of like 17 degrees, maybe 20, then I'd be concerned. But it, I, I, even, even me, I'm a Southern boy. I love the heat. I can get out there and play football in 40-degree weather. So if I can do it, these professionals getting paid millions of dollars should be able to do it too. I mean, if you say so, <laughs> the Bears injury report has Cole Komet, Allen Robinson, Justin Fields listed all as questionable, growing hamstring and ribs respectively. Again, it is still undetermined at this point whether it's going to be Justin Fields or Andy Dalton starting on the center on Sunday for the Bears. Uh, they haven't really been too open about that. Uh, no Tariq Cohen for this game as of right now. Uh, he's been ruled out. Uh, so, And Roquan Smith uh, has missed practice again, so uh, he's listed as questionable as well. Uh, the next game on the docket has the L.A. Chargers visiting the Cincinnati Bengals. The Chargers fall from 11 to 13 in the power rankings. The Bengals rise from 12 to 11. They are three-point favorites. And, again, everyone's riding the Bengals. MJ, do you think this is more to do with the Bengals sweeping the Steelers this past Sunday with the way they beat them down or just the way the Chargers have been falling off the last couple of weeks? Actually, I think it's both. Because, again, Matt Stafford has started be- – Stafford? Sorry, sorry, sorry. Chargers, not the Rams. Rams. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. No, yeah, no, 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 no. That shows you where my head is. Um, but, yeah, no, I think it's definitely both. Um, the Chargers have been falling off. Um, and that win last week with the Bengals, I mean, no – I don't say nobody saw that coming, but – I don't think very many people saw that coming. Um, mm, the win or the way they won? The way they won. Yeah, true, true. The, the way, the they, way won they won. The way they won. Yeah, because, I, I mean, I, I, I've seen – 10? Yeah, I've seen Steelers football crazy. for almost 40 years. I've never seen them beaten that badly, that soundly at all. Right. 
I mean, and, 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 and then you factor in the Chargers. And, and again, I still like Herbert, but hmm, I don't. I don't, I don't. I don't know if he's the man to get it done this week over Joe over um, Joe Burrow. Burrow. Yeah, well, look, I just don't see I, it. I, I, I look at it this way: you got two quarterbacks from the same draft class last year. They were both rookies. Um, you know, uh, Burrow coming back this year from the ACL from you know when they played Washington, and they're they're not trending in the same direction. I, I, yes, right now it looks like Herbert's pretty much leveled out the last couple of weeks while Burrow looks like he's still ascending. Um, yeah. and, and look, they have very complimentary offenses around them. I would say their weapons are about even, you know, across the board. They both are playing behind solid offensive lines. They have dynamic receiving cores. They have multifaceted running backs. They have safety blankets and tight ends. I mean, it, it, it it's just and, and they both play in very competitive divisions that's the other thing yeah. you know it's not like one division is superiorly better than the other both of the divisions the afc north the afc west these are two very competitive divisions mm-hmm. um with the with the exception i mean even with the steelers record the way it is and you know way the way the browns been tanking lately both divisions have all four teams at 500 or better so yeah. The, the the other thing that's a little interesting when you look at Herbert versus Burrow, you look at their numbers, and based on the numbers, Herbert should be the I mean, granted, obviously football is a team sport. You can't just put it all on one man's shoulders. But when you mm-hmm. just compare quarterback to I mean, we're 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 looking at Burrow who has over three thousand yards. He's 24 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Then we go over to Burrow, who's only, who's at, I say only, I didn't, shouldn't say only, but who's at 2,800 yards, 22 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. You would think we wouldn't necessarily be riding with Cincinnati, but again, that win last week over the Steelers, how they won to me is a big factor and riding with them this week and not the Chargers and Justin Herbert. Yeah, look, and I, I take a, this is what I take away from these two teams coming off of last week's outcomes. The Chargers pretty much all year haven't looked that great on the road. Um, you know, they're not setting anyone's hair on fire or anything like that. They look more comfortable definitely playing at home. Uh, yeah. And this game is in Cincinnati. It's going to be outdoors it's going mm-hmm. to be cold um, it's going to be 43 degrees it's so like yeah, i said it's going to be cold um and cincinnati look the way they took it to pittsburgh last week again at home in cincinnati they started out feeding joe mixon and if they get joe mixon going early in this game it's going to be a long day for the chargers um and even though i've been having a back and forth with monty in our discussion I'm still giving offensive rookie of the year to Jamar Chase. There's just, I mean, yeah, he had a down week last week, but I mean, look, you're going to take away Burrow's number one option and force him to go elsewhere. He went elsewhere. T Higgins balled out. So yeah, Chase is still my rookie of the year until someone else proves me wrong. I don't care what's going on in New England. We'll get to that later, but yeah. <laughs> I, 
It's just the way it is. The Chargers injury report has Asante Samuel Jr., um, guard Matt Filer, and safety Alohi Gilman. Uh, all listed as questionable. The uh, Bengals injury report lists Darius Phillips, their corner, Khalid Kareem, their defensive end, uh, Riley Reef, the offensive tackle, and Mike Thomas, their wide receiver. All this is questionable. Reef is nursing an ankle injury. Uh, Alden Tate, wide receiver, is also listed as questionable there as well. The next game here at 1 o'clock, the Minnesota Vikings visiting the Detroit Lions. Uh, the Vikings fall from 17 to 18 in the power rankings. They are seven-point favorites. Uh, you can guess where Detroit is, considering they have still yet to win a game. I figured Turkey Day was the day they could beat, win a game against the Bears, and they had their shot until the defense choked it away at the end and couldn't get a stop to not allow them in the field goal range. And, um, yeah. Time expires, ball through the uprights. Lions still looking for a win number one. I, I don't know when the Lions get that first win of the season, honestly. I, I, and look, it, it's it's funny to the outside when a team goes winless for a season. I mean, it's happened, what, twice yeah. in the last 10-plus years. Um, the Browns went winless in a season. Uh the Lions actually went winless in the season. Uh, if any of you watch ESPN analyst Dan Orlowski famously ran out the end zone for a two-point safety thinking he was still alive for the play. That was pretty much the <laughs> screenshot of that year. And look, look, I, I don't want to see the Lions do this again. I've seen it once. I don't need to see it again. Uh, th this is a team that plays hard, stays in games mostly, and then somewhere around the end of the game, whether they're up or down, they just seem to fall apart. I, I honestly can't put my finger on what's going wrong with them at this point of the season, but they just need to finish. If, if they can finish, they'll get a win this season. But even that right now is in jeopardy. For Minnesota, look, we, we know I'm no fan of what's-his-face over there at quarterback wearing number eight. <laughs> but they will be without Dalvin Cook um, probably this week. He is listed as questionable with that separated shoulder. I do not expect him to play, which means they lean on uh, Madison as the uh, lead back. And, and that's pretty much all Minnesota has to do. It, lean on the running game, play action, not let Cousins sling the ball around 40 or 50 times. It's not to get him in trouble. But, I mean, for Detroit, not – I don't know if that's a good or bad thing considering they haven't proven they can stop anybody. MJ, your your assessments of this matchup. I I don't I don't see any way for Detroit to pull this out. Um one of the key differences I think in them going winless this far and us watching Cleveland a few years back go winless is if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, and correct me if I'm wrong. With, the, with Cleveland's season that year, their games were at least close. They didn't get blown out. I mean, I don't remember well, the score of every single game, but one thing that I do remember is a lot of those games, if not all of them, were close. They just the, didn't get it done. The Lions have had several close games this season. I mean, what are you considering close? Because I'm sitting here looking at the, the schedule and – Week one, they're, they lost by. 
Hold on. Week one, they lost to the Niners by eight. That's a one-score mm-hmm. game. Week right. three, they lost to the Ravens by two. Week five, they lost to the Vikings by two. That was a last-minute field goal at the end. They lose to the Rams by nine. So two-score game. Okay. They tie with the Steelers. Two weeks ago, they lose to the Browns by three. And on, again, on Thanksgiving, they lose by two to the Bears. So they've had more than a fair share of one-score games. I mean, they've only really been blown out twice, and that was to the Five Bengals minutes. and the Eagles. Oh, and sorry, three times, and the Packers. Yeah. So, I mean, so they, they've had many a close game. Like I said, you look at the last three weeks, 16-16 to the Steelers, 13-10 to the Browns, and 16-14 to the Bears. I think with the exception of the Browns, they were leading in the other two games. They were leading against the Steelers at one point. Um, I think that game was actually 13-10 at one point where they were leading with maybe even 13-7. And they were actually beating the Bears 14-13. Again, they just couldn't stop that last drive from ending in a field goal. Yeah. As as the person who is a fan of a team that has a history of collapsing in the fourth quarter, while I can't sit here and say I understand it, uh, it happens. All right, so just so let, let, let's stop, get off this game because, I mean, we honestly don't think that they'll bounce yeah, back nobody, and win against the Vikings. Um, even though the game is in Detroit, where do you see or do you see them winning a game? We're already saying they're losing to the Vikings. After that, they go to the Denver Broncos. So they've got the Broncos, the Cardinals. Cardinals, the Falcons, Falcons Seahawks, Seahawks, and Packers. Packers. Gundy, mm. they have to win one game. Which one do you think they win? Honestly, looking at the rest of that schedule, the Falcons are probably the team that I'm the most concerned about giving them a win. You know what? I, that was going to be my second choice of these five. And my, my my first choice for picking the winning game. Possibly. And- wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on. Before you say that, before you say that, possibly Seattle. That's where Seattle I was going with my first been, choice. <laughs> Seattle has been all over the place. So, yeah, either Seattle or the Falcons. One of those two could be who gives Detroit their first, heaven forbid, first <laughs> and second win of the season. Because, again, I love my squad, but we have a history of collapsing in the fourth quarter. Everybody knows that. So there's no surprise to me if they collapse in the fourth quarter. Because, again, what do we always say? Even a broken clock is right twice a day. Yeah, yeah. Justin, don't kill us, man. Look, we we, we ain't ain't beating up on your Seahawks. Just, I mean, you've seen your squad play or not play. (laughs) Moving on to the next game, the New York Giants, who move up from 27 to 25 in our power rankings, head south to take on the Miami Dolphins, who move up from 25 to 20 in the power rankings. Dolphins are four-point favorites, and (laughs) Crazy Jared, our Giants fans, has this to say. uh, The Giants, unfortunately, keep winning and ruining their draft spot. I predicted this, but I'm not happy about it. The Giants' defense has finally come around and playing like the top 10 defense it was last year. Giants lead the league in consecutive games with an interception at eight. 
and have forced a turnover or more in the last 13 games in a row. The Giants, again, got multiple turnovers this week, and our secondary play is going from great to elite. Uh, the Giants' offense is still in shambles from injuries to almost every position at some point in the season, including multiple IR stints. This will be problematic for the entire season, so don't expect the Giants' offense to suddenly be good when they don't have an old line and their skilled players are all battling injury. The Fins are a garbage team with garbage QBs, but they can win. They have a decent defense and an offense that can move the chains enough to win close ones. Look for Gasecki to play a major role as well as Gaskins. Miami likely turns it over two to three times, but Gaskins won't. Giants won't uh, capitalize. Giants, unfortunately, win a close one, 27-24. Um, ladies and gentlemen, this is why we call it Jared Crazy. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, um, I wouldn't call your secondary great, and it's not on its way to elite. Let's start there. Uh, I, I know what happened last week against the Eagles. I'll be addressing that very, very shortly. Um, but... I don't know that this offense could put up points because for, I mean, like you said, you, you have multiple injuries to your offensive line and skill position players. Need I remind you, you only scored 13 points last week. With defense, I've been slamming all season. And you expect 27 against the Dolphins, whose defense is actually better than the one you just played. This will be interesting to keep tabs on while I'm watching my squad get their brains beat in this week. Um, sure, Jared, if, if you say so. Um, I don't see the Giants winning this game, honestly. Uh, <laughs> I, I want the nicknames for, the, for New York's quarterback, Daniel Jones, to stop. Danny Dimes and all this other crap. Look, he's not good. And the Giants are going to have a really tough decision to make in the offseason as far as whether they keep this kid around. I mean, this is basically his fourth year in the league. He hasn't turned any corner. Uh, they can't seem to run the football effectively. This is one of the few times, if you look at last week's games, Saquon Barkley got nothing. And normally, Saquon Barkley goes off against the Eagles. And by going off, I mean one of his 15 to 20 carries always goes for 75 yards. Always. Look it up. You can check the box scores from the last four or five times he's played the Philadelphia Eagles. You will find a 70-plus yard touchdown run in the box score for him without fail if he started and finished the game. He didn't do that last week. I don't understand why he didn't get more carries than he got last week, personally, because Jones is not the answer at quarterback, and he's not who this team should be leaning on at all in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, fans, if you if you if you're taking Jared's take, I I would advise you to bet against everything he said here because the opposite is most <laughs> likely true. This is why we call Jared crazy. Um, yes, yeah. they did win last week. They did. Congratulations. It was it was more so an emotional, environmental win because they were retiring Strahan's number. Y you can't lose at home when you're retiring one of your all-time greats' number. Yeah, that would be a pretty bad look. MJ, any analysis on Dolphins versus Giants? What was that score that Crazy Jared said? 27-24, Giants. Um, I see Miami putting up 24 points. 
I don't know that I see the Giants putting up 17. That's that's my one I guess I guess that's not necessarily just my one. I guess that kind of counters everything he said. Um yeah, no, I don't see the Giants putting up 27 points. It's not going to happen. They might put up 17, maybe. Um but Miami, I could definitely see Miami putting up 24 and winning this game. Uh, two receivers of note for the Dolphins who are still on uh, injury reserve, William Fuller and Devontae Parker. Fuller's not yet practicing due to a finger, so he's still going to stay there for another week or two, maybe the end of the season there. Hopefully he can return before then. Devontae Parker uh, has resumed practicing, but has not been designated to return. So keep an eye on that going forward. Uh, Philip Lindsay was limited in practice. Uh, with an ankle injury. Trill Williams, the corner, Adam Shaheen, the tight end, and Brandon Jones, their safety, all this is questionable and are expected to play. For the New York Giants, yeah, that laundry list that Crazy Jared is always crying about every week in case anyone's forgotten. Tight ends, Caden Smith and Kyle Rudolph, knee and ankle respectively. Wide receivers, John Ross, Sterling Shepard, Kadarius Toney. Uh, Ross has an illness, non-COVID related. Shepard's quad. Kadarius Tony has quad injuries. Uh, none of these guys practice much. Uh, Daniel Jones, the quarterback, has a neck injury. He did participate in practice, so keep an eye on that. One wrong hit could take him out of the game. And cornerback Adoree Jackson is still nursing a quad injury that he heard this past Sunday as well. Yeah, um, hopefully the Giants can field a complete offense to uh, play this game. The next game on the docket one, I've loathing to talk about as the season goes on with this squad the philadelphia eagles fall from 16 to 22 in the power rankings head up a little ways north <laughs> to jersey to play the new york jets who move up from 30 to 29 for some strange reason the eagles are six and a half point favorites everybody here except me is picking my eagles to win i would love to know what's wrong with you crazy people um i, I think you <laughs> all have bumped your heads uh, picking my squad to win a game this year, considering what just happened last week. Um, where do I start? I have a quarterback who threw three picks because of an offense that decided, excuse me, an offensive coaching staff, because I have to put the blame there first and foremost. So before I blame Jalen Hurts, I must blame Sirianni and Steichen, the offensive coordinator, for calling on two of the first three drives six pass plays, which caused us to go three and out both times. And granted, yes, the second possession ended in an interception, but you didn't establish the run and you tried play action that fooled nobody. I'm confused here. Three of the previous four weeks, you're pounding the rock, getting over 200 yards a game rushing with the combination of Boston Scott, Jordan Howard, Miles Sanders, Jalen Hurts, you know, ad-libbing, running on plays. And for whatever reason, you came in this past week against the New York Giants and you wanted to get cute and call straight drop-back passes. I mean, what did you think? You want to catch them off guard? The Giants don't have a strong front against the run. They don't. And as you saw in the third, in the third quarter alone, you ran for 100 yards. The third quarter by itself, do you know how hard it is to rush for 100 yards in one quarter? That's not exactly impossible. an easy thing to do. It's not. 
So I don't understand why you decided we're going to outthink ourselves and we're going to throw the ball around with Jalen Hurts, knowing that's not his strong suit right now. This is his first full season starting under a new offense that he still doesn't have fully full grasp of. And I'm not afraid to admit that. He doesn't have full complete grasp of this offense as far as his passing game for what you want to do. Not to mention, you don't have the wide receivers to run it. We have one, maybe two wide receivers. But I don't know who that second wide receiver is because you're constantly putting out first round pick from last year in Jalen Rager, who has proven that he can't catch. Now, I don't know if you saw the highlights, MJ, but at the end of the game, there were two passes to Jalen Rager. One was placed over his shoulder. Perfect drop the ball in the basket. And for whatever reason, he doesn't get his hands up and it hits him in the helmet. Oh, wow. The second pass. That one I, that one I did see. That one I did see. The second pass, he jumps up at the one-yard line, puts both hands in the air. Ball actually hits him in both hands. And I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I can't call myself a professional. I played a little bit of football in high school. But I've always been told that when the ball hits your hands, you're supposed to come down with it. For whatever reason, the ball hit his hands, and his hands parted like the Red Sea. <laughs> and that was the fourth down play. The camera angles that I really love after that play happens is not so much the Giants fans going nuts, the Giants on defense celebrating as they run off the field. It's the dejected look in the offensive line that said, you got to be bleeping me. The dejected look on Jalen Hurts' face like, dude, are you kidding me? There wasn't a defender within five yards. It's not like he was interfered with. They were close enough to make a hit, but they didn't touch him. They actually let him jump up in the air. No one touched him. Jumped up in the air. There's a ball hits him right in the hands. And instead of his hands collapsing on the ball, they spread apart. It's kind of like the ball was a bomb and blew his hands away. Because <laughs> that's exactly what it looked like. Now, if the Eagles want to win this week against the Jets, I highly suggest that they give the ball to Miles Sanders at least 15 to 20 times dead on runs. You know, if you want to call pass plays, fine, but there is no reason that the offense has Jalen Rager as his primary target. Jalen Rager got seven targets in this game. Dallas Goddard, our number one tight end, Devontae Smith, our first-round draft pick this year, number one wide receiver, combined had seven targets. And that's not, that's not anything. And I went back and looked at a lot of these plays. That's not on Jalen Hurts. That's the design of this offense and the plays you call because, again, the head coach and the offense coordinator wanted to get cute and feature somebody to loosen up the offense because you want to spread it around. No, this isn't Pop Warner. This isn't Pee Wee football where everyone gets a juice box and sandwiches after the game for a job well done. And we don't hand out championship trophies at the end of the season. We hand out participation awards. No, no. See, this is the NFL. The best players get the rock. And right now, Jalen Rager has proven in his season and a half of playing that he's not good at his position. He's not even good at returner because he's averaging basically five yards of return on punts and kicks. Sit this kid down. We've got Ward and Hightower riding the pine. Give one of them a chance to be the number two wide receiver opposite Devontae Smith. 
there is no reason Rager should be out there. Stop trying to feature all these players that either the front office is shoving down your throat or you, or you just fell in love with. Kenneth Gainwell should never suit up again for the rest of the season. Unless you plan on cutting Jordan Howard or Boston Scott in the offseason, Gainwell should never be suited up for another game this year. All right, he's a glorified receiver. If you want him to feel so badly, make him your slot receiver. But the offensive coaching staff is just idiots. The defense, I don't even know how they held the Giants to 13 points because they got no sacks and no turnovers. And, I, and, and smoke and mirrors, whatever you want to call it, Steven Nelson is a horrible cornerback because Daniel Jones targeted him all game and stayed away from Darius Slay, which is smart. And yet every receiver that Nelson was covering dropped the ball inexplicably. Uh, MJ, before I get your two cents on this, I'm, I'm going to say one last thing about Jalen Rager. His career stats. <sighs> career stats, ladies and gentlemen. This is a guy who was drafted 2020, first round, one spot ahead of Justin Jefferson, who if you listen to the show, I cry over every time I see that man play. Justin Jefferson, by the way, in his rookie season, 88 catches, 1,400 yards, seven touchdowns. This season, he has 1,027 yards, six touchdowns on 67 catches. Either one of those seasons, either his complete last season or this current season, is more than Jalen Rager's career stats in two seasons. That's not me being funny. Rager has basically 550 yards receiving in his career and only three receiving touchdowns. And if you think I'm being unfair, Devontae Adams has 48 catches, 686 yards, and four touchdowns. Where does Rieger rank on the depth chart? Number two at wide receiver. Oh. Oh. Yeah, those definitely, those definitely aren't number two kind of stats. Oh, uh, he's absolutely no complimentary player, but, you know, he was fast coming out of college and, and for whatever reason, the front office, that's what they wanted, a fast wide receiver. I, I, don't, I don't know why they chose to go that route, but he was chosen in the first round again. The three receivers taken ahead of him were Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, and C.D. Lamb. Okay, I understand that. There are a total of six receivers taken in the first round. The two receivers taken after him in the first round, Justin Jefferson, who will always cry about Brandon Ayuk for the 49ers. Other notable wide receivers who in their rookie seasons alone, and even this current season, if you take either season, is still more than Jalen Rager's career stats in two seasons so far, include T. Higgins of the Bengals, Michael Pittman of the Colts, LaVisca Chenault of the Jaguars, Chase Claypool of the Steelers, Van Jefferson of the Rams, Brian Edwards of the Raiders, Donovan Peoples-Jones of the Browns, who, by the way, was drafted in the sixth round. These are all receivers drafted second, third, sixth round, who's any season, rookie or second year, dwarf 
what Rager has done in his season and a half thus far of playing in his entire career. All right, I'm I'm, I'm done blasting my Eagles and this and that person who thinks he's a wide receiver. MJ, anything to add on this game between the Eagles and the Jets? Nope. <laughs> nope. Injuries for the Philadelphia Eagles include defensive ends Josh Sweat, Terran Jackson, linebacker TJ Edwards, uh, defensive end Derek Barnett. Jordan Howard has a knee injury, didn't practice. Boston Scott has uh, illness, non-COVID-related. Miles Sanders nursing an ankle. Um, Devontae Smith, limited in practice, uh, injury due to an illness, so probably cold or flu going through the clubhouse there. Jalen Hurts has an ankle injury. He was limited in practice. The New York Jets uh, list, Morgan Moses, the offensive tackle, for Lorenzo, Fatuskasi, the defensive tackle. Jonathan Franklin Myers, the defensive end. Chuma Adoga, the offensive tackle, was placed on injury reserve Wednesday. I'm sorry, returned from injury reserve. Uh, wide receivers, Corey Davis is questionable with the growing. And Keelan Cole, uh, he's been ruled out after being placed on the reserve COVID list. So, yeah. I, I, I know people here in our pick sheet have all picked the Philadelphia Eagles. MJ, you asked me a couple of weeks ago, would the coaching staff try to get cute and not do what got them the three wins in the last, in the previous four weeks? The answer mm -hmm. after watching last week's game were resounding. Yes. Yes. They will try to get cute and do the opposite of what got them three victories over the previous five weeks. And they're going to do it again this Sunday, which is why they won't win. Moving on to the next game, I'm pretty sure the sports fans are like, when can we skip ahead? The Indianapolis Colts <laughs> visit the Houston Texans. <laughs> the Colts move up from 13 to 12 in the power rankings. They are nine-point favorites over the Houston Texans. And, um, yeah, I, I, I saw these two teams play last week. And, and MJ, I, I got to say, if you're a Colts fan, I kind of feel bad for you, but not really. I'm glad you lost because that gives me a better draft pick. Uh, Carson Wentz completed the entire game, but the Texans lost to the Jets. Inexplicably, they were up 14-3 and lost 21-14. Tyrod played. It wasn't pretty, but I don't see how they lost this game. And now they have to play a divisional opponent in the Colts coming, to the, coming there. And, yeah, last time these two teams met up, Tyrod wasn't playing. Tyrod's playing now, and the Colts are mad. I, I think this is a little bit of revenge, though. Uh, what, what do you think? Um, definitely a little bit of revenge. Um, but I just, I don't, I don't, I don't see how Tech, how how Houston pulls this one out. I just don't see it. I mean, and, and Indianapolis has been playing some good slash decent football recently. Um, I, I mean, you look at the the loss last week to the Bucks. Um, I didn't watch that game, so I don't know how everything played out. But it was a one score win for the Bucks. Um, the Buccaneers came had, back from double digits and won that game. By the way. Oh. Oh yeah. At one point, the score was seventeen seven Indianapolis. Okay. I, yeah, like I said, I didn't see that game. I just I'm just looking at the the, the final score of 38 to 31. Um, mm -hmm. Ooh. Okay. But even, even still, even even with that, 
they've got prior to that loss to the Bucks, they had what was it? Two no, three wins in a row. Mm-hmm. Um you can question the quality of maybe t- I, I mean the I Jets and Jaguars. That's what I was gonna say. Well, no, I, that's what I was look, gonna say. You can question you can question the quality of two of those wins. But that win against Buffalo was right. a good win. So that's why I look at that score against the Bucks. And yes, like you said, they were up, but Tampa Bay came back to win the game. It's and it's Tom Brady. He's the best quarterback in the league right now. There's I hate no that. <laughs> I I'm I don't like it either, but it's it's it's, it's true. <sighs> You're not gonna blow him out. You may beat him. But you're not going to blow him out. He's been around the league long enough that he knows how to win. Um, so, again, the fact that they managed to keep it at 38 to 31, again, like you said, they started out uh, – what was the, what did you say the score was that they started out with? What was at one uh, point it was 17-7. So, yeah, so they, they're, up by, they're up by 10. But, again, it's, it's Tom Brady. He's going to find a way to come back. <laughs> Um, but again, but again, I go back to the week to the week before that when they beat Buffalo. That was a quality win. Um, it was forty-one fifteen. That was a quality win that they had. If they can put together a few more games like that Bills game, I like seeing where the Colts may go. Because again, right now they're what second place in the AFC South, um, which is kind of interesting i would say for a team sitting at six and six um well the division itself is not good and they've already been swept by the titans unless the titans completely fall apart they're not winning their division yeah yeah but but again even at second place at six and six that's still not bad but going into this game against houston i there's there's unless somebody has put a a hex on colts there's hey, no I don't way need that. No, I don't need a hex <laughs> on the Colts. They can lose, but I don't need a hex because Carson Wentz has to finish the season healthy. I need him to play the, the, the 75% of the snaps, and I forget what game he has to get to before he can miss the rest of the season, but we ain't there yet. <laughs> what's your, what's your, what's your, um, your, 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 your tie to him playing that much? Is it a contact oh, first, issue with Philly? We get their we get their first round draft pick. Ah, okay, okay, yeah. Yeah, so as long as he plays seventy five percent of the offensive snaps this season, we get their first round draft pick. So again, he's he's played ninety nine point something percent of the snaps thus far. Okay, all I, right. That's and I need I need it to stay there. So so no hexes. Okay. They can lose <laughs> because the more they lose, the better our pick becomes. But I need him to finish games. <laughs> Okay, that's fair. That's fair. But again, unfortunately, looking at this game, I yeah. don't see them losing. This, nah. this, is, gonna, this, is, gonna, this is not going to be a, a pretty game for Houston. Not at all. Well, the first one wasn't pretty either. It was 31 to 3. So, um, <laughs> that part. Yeah. Yeah. Considering how they lost this game last week, I, I think they take a little bit of chip on the shoulder into in, in Houston and pull this one out. Uh, the Texans 
on their uh, injury report have David Johnson, Brandon Cooks, Cole Tur- Toner, the center. Uh, Johnson's has a thigh injury. Cooks uh, dealing with an illness. Again, these are non-COVID related. Uh, Jacob Martin, Justin McCray, Jonathan Greenert, Chris Dooley, Danny Amendola. Uh, Amendola suffered a knee injury in the uh, loss this past week, so he's doubtful, actually. The uh, Indianapolis Colts have Jack Doyle, the tight end, knee injury. He didn't practice. Andrews and Dejo, Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly, Eric Fisher. Uh, in case you weren't paying attention, those last three names, that's three-fifths of the starting offensive line. They're all listed as questionable, but should go. Uh, Leonard, uh, Leonard, I don't know why he's on the injury report with his stats, but uh, he should be a full goal for Sunday uh, as well. DeForest Buckner has a knee injury. Uh, but he should be a full goal also. The first of the four o'clock games features the Washington football team, who move up from 24 to 23 in our power rankings, visiting the Las Vegas Raiders. And while everyone except for our shadowy background figure is picking the Raiders, who are two and a half point favorites, Monty, our Raiders fan, sends us Washington fighting Tumjis at the Las Vegas Raiders. What do you get when you add Riverboat Ron and Blackjack Del Rio to the casinos in the desert? Who knows for sure, but hopefully it involves everybody's favorite super fan eating his smoked cod pie while shouting colorful swear words at his television. Something about ex-coaches that got a raw deal coming back to town with a new team makes me a bit canny of a Bohucci scalping. Neil's been a wee schooner. Havering on about how the Raiders need to trade everything in order to reach for rookie QB in every draft for the past five years. Yet here we sit at week 13 with Derek Carr leading the league in passing yards with no blue chip wide receiver to throw to. But I digress. Come to the desert, Devontae Adams, a pipe dream, Monty. As Niels Niels Nana used to say, a pretty face suits the dish clute. Thus, it won't matter this weekend because Vegas defense is going to get after the wee Gnaiev playing <laughs> QB for Washington. <laughs> Expect some good defense and amazing punting. Keep an eye on the new long snapper. Raiders regular guys on the COVID list. Squeaky bum time every fourth down. Whoever avoids the big mistake wins the game, and my money is on the home team. Washington football team 20, Raiders 24. Monty, I'm going to need you to be a little bit more um, <laughs> succinct with the, with, the, with the colloquialisms there. I, I, I'm getting lost halfway reading what you got out here. Um, yeah, Washington's going to have some kicking walls as they sign yet another kicker this season after Monday night because their kicker got hurt on a block that was run back for uh, – extra point that was run back for two points. So uh, they're going to be in dire straits. Um, but, hey, they, they did what they had to do to be a struggling Seahawks team. They pounded the rock. They used play action. The Raiders had a shootout against the Cowboys last time we saw them play. And um, I'm, a, I'm a bit scared because Darren Waller left that game. In fact, he's on the injury report. It's doubtful with his knee. He didn't practice. Uh, if he doesn't play... I don't have much hope in the Raiders, to be perfectly honest. And, and, and they need him. They really, really need him. Uh, MJ, your assessments on this matchup? 
I'm I'm honestly with I'm honestly just gonna gonna write ditto marks under everything you just said. With that knee injury, if he doesn't play, it's going to be a long day for the Raiders. Uh, Raiders also list the Sean Jackson shocker with a calf injury shocker uh, on the injury report. Uh, Keyshawn Nixon, the cornerback, and Nick Wachowski, the linebacker, also show up as questionable. They should be good to go. Um, the Washington football team's tight end Ricky Seals-Jones with a hip. Curtis Samuel, wide receiver with a groin. Cornerback uh, Benjamin St. Just with, is in a concussion protocol. Logan Thomas, uh, limited in practice. Antonio Gibson, shin injury. He's listed as questionable. Landon Collins, the safety. He has a foot injury, did not practice on Wednesday. Brandon Sheriff, their guard, is questionable. J.D. McKissick is uh, nursing a neck injury, also did not practice. They did place Joe Sly, the kicker, as I said before. Hamstring injury, he is on IR. The next game here on the docket, the Jacksonville Jaguars, holding at 31 in our power rankings, visit the L.A. Rams who fall from five to nine in our rankings. And I'm trying to figure out what took the Rams so long to fall, because honestly, they shouldn't even be in our top 10 after losing three in a row. Uh, they are 13-point favorites. And everybody here but me is picking the Rams. So, MJ, I'll, I'll give you the start. You're, you're, you're taking the Rams over the Jaguars because... <laughs> um, Jaguars are not a quality football team. They, they, they just aren't. Um, they've got, what, two wins this season? Um, and, gr now, gr and granted, granted, one of those wins was Buffalo. So I give them credit for that win against the Bills. Don't know how they pulled it off, but they pulled off a win against Buffalo. And in Buffalo? Off a win in Buffalo. And then they pulled, wait, were they in Buffalo? I believe so. Uh, it, it, either way, either way, they pulled off a win against Buffalo, and they pulled off a win against the Dolphins. Other than those two wins, they haven't shown me anything. Um, yeah, no, I I just don't see it. Um, Trevor Lawrence is for him to be the number one draft pick this year. He hasn't played like a number one draft pick. Now, you can also make the argument that it's because they've got a first-year head coach. Um, you can make the argument that he doesn't have very much around him in the way of weaponry. But to me, as the number one overall pick, even with not having, you know, a lot of weapons around you, you got to do better than Trevor Lawrence is doing right now. And I just don't see him getting it done this week. Well, I don't think it's going to be on him. I think it's going to be on the defense. Look, the, the Rams, the, here's a funny story about the Rams' last three losses. Granted, Titans, Niners, Packers. That quarterback that everyone got so geeked about in the beginning of the season that said it was going to put the Rams over the top and make them no-brainer Super Bowl contenders, you know, Matthew Stafford, that dude, in each of the last three games, he's thrown the pick six. Coincidentally, they lost each of those games. <laughs> so I'm trying to see, and, and don't get me wrong, yeah, they started off 7-1 and one before they hit this three-game skid. But this three-game slot is pretty much more of what I'm used to seeing from Matthew Stafford. And I feel like the previous eight games 
you know, where they won seven of those. That wasn't Matthew Stafford. That, that was just, that was probably coaching. Okay, he can throw the deep ball. Whoopty freaking do. He can throw a deep pass because you all complained Jared Goff couldn't throw deep. But I know what Jared Goff wouldn't have done. Wouldn't have thrown three pick sixes in a row. I know that much. You can talk about his lack of arm strength and everything like that. I know he takes care of the football. But everyone's talking about Matthew Stafford as his quarterback who was, for whatever reason, you, you talk about him like he played with a bunch of bums in Detroit. No, he didn't. He had talent in Detroit, tons of it, at wide receiver, offensive line, running backs. You can knock the defense however much you want to, but even the great quarterbacks overcome their piss-poor defenses and win games and shootouts. He couldn't even win those. And I don't care what all the stats and shiny numbers say of him throwing this many seasons with 4,000-plus yards and this many seasons with 25-plus touchdowns. It doesn't translate to wins. And MJ, correct me if I'm wrong. How, how many playoff games has Stafford won? Zero! prediction because the Rams are currently the fourth seed in the NFC and they will stay there because spoiler alert, they're not winning the NFC West. They're just not, there's no, but if Arizona stop, Arizona's going to win their division. I don't know what the number is or how many more games they got to win to lock it up, but they're about to lock it up pretty damn soon. And the game after this week, is in Arizona for the LA Rams. They're not winning that game. I can guarantee that. Yeah, I'm taking the Jaguars. I, I feel like their defense steps up. Maybe this turns into a defensive battle. Some people are thinking this would be a slaughter. 13 points? I ain't buying it. I'm just not. Everyone who thinks Matthew Stafford's a good quarterback, please keep keep slurping the Kool-Aid and, and thinking <laughs> he's a good quarterback. I saw him play in Detroit, and the guy that's played the last three games is the same guy who's played in Detroit for the previous 10 to 12 seasons. If, if y'all can't see it, then maybe you need my glasses because so, something's wrong with the rest of y'all. But, yeah, call me crazy for picking the Jaguars on this one. I'll be crazy by myself. Uh, anything to add, MJ? No, nope. I've already I've already slandered Trevor Lawrence enough. <laughs> the Jaguars have James Robinson, a running back with a heel and knee injury. Listen to the injury report; he was limited in practice. Other players showing up include Davin Hamilton, Miles Jack, Malcolm Brown, Tyson Campbell, Dakota Allen, Shaq Griffin. Uh, Dan Arnold was placed on injury reserve with a knee injury. He is due to miss four to six weeks with the MCL sprain. Uh, Damian Wilson, the linebacker, also shows up questionable with an ankle injury. The Rams have David Long, Odell Beckham, Daryl Henderson listed as questionable in the injury report. Beckham nursing a hip. Henderson uh, still nursing a thigh injury. Linebacker Justin Hollins was designated to return from injury reserve with his pec injury. And, look, this offense misses Robert Woods. Sorry, is what it is, and Stafford's not compensating for that. The next game on the docket here, AFC North matchup, 
the Baltimore Ravens visit the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Ravens move up from seven to four in the power rankings. They are four and a half point favorites over the Steelers who fall from 15 to 21 in the rankings. We are all taking the Ravens justly. So um, MJ, we talked about how badly the Steelers got beat last week, but considering how horrible the Sunday night game was between Baltimore and Cleveland, I'm not going to say it set football back 100 years, but the fact that the Ravens were able to pull out that, I, I mean, game, for lack of a better word, because it wasn't pretty. No, no, it wasn't. I mean, look, your quarterback throws four interceptions. You lose the game. This is the first time in the entire history of the NFL that a quarterback has thrown four picks and one. MJ, I'll leave it up to you on this one because I I got nothing. (laughs) One thing that I take away from this game that gives me a lot of confidence and faith in Baltimore winning this game, Um, number one is against Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh is just not looking like the Pittsburgh of old right now. Um, but something Lamar Jackson said is that he looked like a rookie in that game against Cleveland. Those are his words. I looked like a rookie. He is not going to make those same mistakes against the Steelers. He's just not. Um, he's going to come out with something to prove, specifically that game from last week. Because, again, like you said, that's four interceptions. You don't win games in the NFL with four interceptions, but somehow Baltimore managed to pull a win out. And, again, the fact that Lamar, even his own words, I look like a rookie, that right there tells me he's not going to look like a rookie this, this weekend come against the uh, Steelers. Baltimore takes this game. Yeah, and that's the way I'm leaning, too. I, I, I don't think that happens again. Um, despite the game being in Pittsburgh, uh, I'm glad my mom's not listening, but she probably wouldn't care. She's jumped ship on the Steelers this season. I'm worried for Mike Tomlin. I am generally worried for Mike Tomlin because I, I have come to bat for him year in and year out because we have people in our Slack channel affiliated with this podcast who every year say Mike Tomlin should be fired. The Steelers need a new coach. Um, Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season. This might be the first time he has a losing season. Don't get me wrong. I, I called it from the beginning of the year that the Steelers weren't going to make the playoffs. I was not expecting them to bottom out the way they have this season. And the way they've won games, um, the words duct tape, smoke and mirrors <laughs> come to mind. When you, I see, when you tie with the Lions. Uh, man. Yeah. And, and guess what? The tie still had me believing they finished eight, eight and one. I don't know if they get that eighth victory this year. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I really don't know. I'm looking at the rest of the schedule here. After Baltimore, they're at Minnesota, Tennessee, at the Chiefs, another game with Cleveland, and at Baltimore. Um, they currently 5-5-1, five, five, and one, so they need three of these last six to finish at 500. I don't know what these three victories are. If it I, weren't 
for the tie against the Lions, I honestly will look at the rest of their season and say Vikings, Titans, and Browns, they stand a chance of winning. After that tie with the Lions, I just don't know anymore. Well, I mean, well, first of all, to, I mean, to even stand a chance, your defense has got to play 41-10 to the Bengals. What? And I get it. Yeah. One of those was a pick six that Ben threw. And I've trashed Ben enough this season already. He no, either... no, 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 you haven't. No, you haven't. He needs to sit down and they need to start somebody else. But, I mean, they feel like they owe him. I don't know what for. But um, the way he's playing this year, this team needs to carry him. Because this is like his rookie season all over again. It's not that he doesn't know anything. He can't do anything. Whatever physical abilities he had, they're gone. Again, I don't know that there were – again, other than his size, it, to me – Again, he used to take a hit from defensive ends, and they bounce right off him, and he still get the ball off. He's getting hit mm-hmm. now, and he's going down. There is no more of this shrugging someone off who, who hit him. He's going down again, on the first was, hit. That was his size more than anything. That wasn't – ability that was just i was born as a big dude and big dude can take hits well now pillsbury throw old, boy needs to sit down <laughs> now he's an old big dude who doesn't heal as quickly um the one thing I, I, i'll say this because the the if we look at roethlisberger's history and i'm probably going to catch heat from somebody for saying this but i don't Air. He is no different than than the than the New England's quarterback currently. He fits Mac Jones. into a system that allows him to do well. Well, you his system Ross this year Berger, sucks. But but no. Well, I'm saying but I'm saying historically. But again, he's he's older now. He probably should have been he probably should have retired a couple years ago because he's at the point in his career where just fitting into the system is no longer enough. At this point in his career, he should be all right. The system tells me to do this, but I'm good enough to know that that's not what I'm doing in this scenario. And we're not seeing that out of him. We're not seeing him make the smart heads-up decisions when plays break down. We're, we're not seeing that. Oh, no, so he's not playing time, smart at all. Right. That's, so that's what I was like. Yeah, again, and that's why I say historically, he's just been a player who has fit into a good system. Well, it's going you to get worse. Probably. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. Finish. I was going to say, you could take – Stafford. Oh. Actually, no, no, I'm not even going to go that far. You could take the Red Rocket and plug him in in Pittsburgh, and that system will allow him to do well. You really? could take Andy hmm? Dalton. I'm just saying, again, New England, Pittsburgh, they've got 
systems that work, but there's also a culture that comes from the top down that allows their system to say, you know what, Mr. People up at the top, what you want isn't the best thing. Here's what we're going to do. All right. Well, it doesn't get any better for the uh, for the multiple names show up on the injury report. First and foremost, let's get to uh, TJ Watt, who's been placed on the reserve COVID list. Uh, he tested positive for the virus. Uh, also, Joe Haig, the tackle, uh, undisclosed on the reserve list as well. He may have been a close contact. So both of them are going to be out for this game. Cornerback Joe Hayden is questionable. Uh, offensive tackle Zach Branner, Ben Roethlisberger, tight end Pat Firemuth, and uh, wide receiver Chase Claypool all listed as questionable. Firemuth is still in the concussion protocol. So they're all listed as questionable. Roethlisberger has a shoulder and pec injury and didn't practice. The Baltimore Ravens have listed uh, Tavon Young, their corner, Patrick Richard, fullback, Patrick McCarry, the guard, Anthony Everett, uh, Bradley Bozeman, Devin DuVernay, Nick Boyle, Calais Campbell, uh, who's in the concussion protocol, Jimmy Smith, Chris Westry, the corners, uh, Cedric Obehehe, the offensive tackle, and Miles Boykin. Uh, so, yeah, both these teams are, are banged up coming into this game. Most of the Ravens players should be available. Uh, shouldn't expect anything out of the norm from them. I'd be shocked if some of the big names didn't play. The next game here on the docket, the last of the four o'clock games, the San Francisco 49ers visit the Seattle Seahawks. The Niners move up from 20 to 15 in our power rankings. They are three-point favorites over the Seahawks, who fall from 23 to 28 in our rankings. And um, Justin, please plug your ears. We're sorry for everything that's about to be said here, but... Uh, are we? Are we? I mean... What's going on in Seattle, from my perspective, from the games that I've seen this year, it, it's more than just the offensive line and the defense. Unfortunately, wh whatever's gone wrong now includes Russell Wilson. And look, he may be healthy enough to play. He probably shouldn't be because his finger doesn't look like it's healthy completely. He is selling balls over the heads of running backs who are out in the flat five yards away. I, I don't, when I say selling, I mean, these dudes need to be on like 12 foot ladders to catch the football. You're talking about a quick dump to the sideline to give your back a chance to make a play and get at least five yards. And you're selling the ball over their heads. It's not like the 10 yards downfield. They're like within a yard of the line of scrimmage. This is an easy dump off. It, it, it's not looking good. Russ doesn't look like Russ. And I don't know if I want to let him cook for the rest of the season because it's not pretty. Like the meal is disgusting. Throw it all away. And the chef. I'm going to go ahead and say it. Sit Russ for the rest of the season. Why is he out there playing? Uh, they're paying him. He wants to prove he can still play. He may be angling sit for him, a trade out of C Seattle. Sit him, for the, sit him for the rest of the season. I know Russ is – before Russ went – or when Russ went out with the uh, the finger injury, 
they talked about how many games he had played in, and I forget what the stat was, but this was – this, I want to say, is the first time we had Russ miss whatever the number of games that he had to miss due to his injury. Mm-hmm. Because, like I said, they were making a big deal about him being, you know, consistent, being healthy, being, you know, one of the tougher guys in the NFL. But now we see him come back after this finger injury, and I'm, I'm no NFL quarterback, but I know when my fingers hurt, I can't hold a ball, much less get out there and play. Um, so, yeah, I don't think he's – I don't believe he's 100%. I just don't. Um, and, honestly, they're 3-8. and eight. They're fourth in the NFC West. I honestly don't know that there's any reason for him to play the rest of the season because – when we look at, let's see, they got one, two, three, four, five, six, six more games. They're not going to win six games. <laughs> they might get, they might get the win against Texas or, or against Houston, I should say. Um, Are you sure? Probably. Uh, yeah. I'm leaning towards them beating Houston. Um, we already said they ain't going to beat the Lions. <laughs> The Bears is going to be a toss-up. They're not going to beat the Lions. There's no way they beat Arizona. So, again, there's no reason for Russ to play the rest of this season. He needs to – well, we know he's healed from his injury. Now – He's healed enough to play. Yeah, I don't – so here's my thing. And and typically, after an injury – there's a certain amount of rehab that you go through. I'm based on some of the passes we've seen Russ throw. I again, he needs to sit down and go back into rehab and get that hand and that finger, you know, back on the same page so that he can actually get out there and play. Because right now he's not being an asset to his team. He is doing what he's out there doing is not helping his team he needs to be sat down for the rest of the season and i know people may not necessarily think that geno smith is the greatest quarterback but geno smith is not a bum and he actually played well in the three games russ was out right the rest of the team let him down now the other question that i have and i don't know if you know the answer to this but how many years does Russ have left on his contract? That That is a, a very good question because uh, I, I am unaware of that myself. Because if this is the last year of his contract, I could potentially see him wanting to still play and wanting to show other teams in the NFL that he's here to compete. However, if I were a team that had an aging quarterback who was too expensive to keep on my roster and I were thinking about another quarterback, I would not want to see him out there further endangering his ability himself and his ability to play. He needs well, to sit out. Hmm? Well, let's see. He, he's making 
32 million this year. He's got two years left, which will pay him 37 and 40 respectively. Oh yeah, he can afford to sit down and let Geno take the reins the rest of the season. He's got two he's got two more years on his deal. He can sit down and properly heal and just get ready for next year. There's no reason for him to be out there playing right now. Again, he's not being an asset to his team. Now, the other thing is, is it Russ who, don't get me wrong, I know every professional football player, professional athlete in general, wants to be out there, wants to be on the field playing, but at some point you have to think about, is what I'm doing helping or hurting my team? And Russ is not helping his team right now. I mean, yeah, 50% of Russ could help this team win, then uh, they'd have won more than they've lost up to this point, and it is not helping. No. So, uh, yeah, Russ, Russ might need to sit it out for the rest of the season. Like I said, heal, rehab the finger, you know, whatever it is that needs to happen for him to come back and play at a high level, he needs to do it. And right now, it doesn't look like him playing is helping his cause. And again, since he's got two more years left on his contract, yeah, sit out the rest of the season. Let Geno Smith take it. Seahawks running backs Rashard Penny and Travis Homer show up as questionable and injury report along with guard Damian Lewis. The Niners have Dre Greenlaw, who has an ab injury. He is a long shot to actually play the Sunday. Running back Jermichael Hasty, defense tackle Maurice Hurst. Linebackers Marcel Harris and Fred Warner also listed as questionable. Uh, Trey Sermon uh, has been diagnosed with an ankle sprain, so he is questionable as well. Debo Samuel is doubtful with the growing. The Sunday night game has the Denver Broncos, who move up from 21 to 14 in our power rankings, playing the Kansas City Chiefs, who fall from four to five, but they are 10-point favorites at home. That's a big spread for a divisional matchup against a very solid Broncos team. And Nick, our Chiefs fan, sends us this. Uh, the Chiefs come out of the bye at 7-4 and four, with the rest of the division locked up right behind them at 6-5. and five. That's a slender lead that is actually just a half game over the Chargers. So it would seem to really matter who the Chiefs' next opponents are going to be. And sure enough, those opponents are Denver, Vegas, and the Chargers in order. Thus, despite how tight it is now, the Chiefs would either have the division well salted away with one week to go before Christmas or someone else will have claimed it. But we've all seen this movie before. The Chiefs have won the West for five straight seasons and Andy Reid has gone 37 to 13 against the division since arriving in Kansas City. About half of those losses came against Peyton Manning. How things have gone how have things gone recently? Well, Denver hasn't beaten the Chiefs in six years, two months, and 18 days, and I don't think Teddy Bridgewater iteration is going to crack the code. Denver's rookie class has been impressive, but this will be their first experience playing in Arrowhead, and with Reed coming off a bye to boot, to quote Jay Cutler, good luck. Prediction, Chiefs quarrel my Denver little ponies 33-17. Nick, that's foul. <laughs> wow. I will I will give Nick credit on this. Yes, Andy Reid is one of the best coaches coming off the bye. You do not want to play an Andy Reid team coming off the bye because I think he's only lost like two or three times total in his coaching career. That includes Philadelphia and Kansas City. So that's probably the all. I'm not going to say the only thing. That's probably the biggest thing going 
for Kansas City because let, let's be real, it was a shaky, shaky October for this team. And yeah. they turned it around and they started doing the simple things, you know, the basics. They went back to football one on one and a lot of their schemes and offense, um, offensive uh sets instead of trying to launch everything downfield to Tariq Hill and you know, trying to make the splash play on every play because defenses are going to make them dink and dunk the field, dink and dunk the ball down the field. No, no one's giving them, you know, the single high looks anymore unless it's out of necessity. But even still, when they go five wide, four wide with the back motion at the backfield, whatever you want to call it, whenever they go spread, teams are still content. We'll play zone underneath and two safeties over the top just so you don't get the big play on us. It started out great. Kansas City finally made an adjustment, and they're content to deacon dunk and lean on the running game just a little bit more. Not as much as I would like to see them do, but it, it it's it's more than normal for an Andy Reid coach team. Uh, MJ, anything to add, or you want to stick up for Denver in any way? Um, no, I don't want to stick up for Denver. Um, and can and Kansas City's last four wins. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the only blowout was against the Raiders. Um, but looking at the last few wins they've had, they've definitely made some adjustments that are working for them. Um, so, yeah, definitely Kansas over Denver. But, you yeah, know, other, other, other than looking at their last four wins and what the adjustments they've made, there's not a whole lot for me to add. Well, I could see another big adjustment as their defense is playing a lot better, especially over the last five games. Most they've given up is 17 points, uh, and that was the loss, uh, the win against the Giants. So, I mean, they're doing something right out there. Yeah. So, I mean, both sides of the ball have kicked it up. They've had a week off, and, yeah, these next three games will pretty much decide their division. They come out of this 3-0, and it's pretty much a wrap because that would give them the split versus the Chargers and, and the sweep over the Raiders. The Monday night football game has the New England Patriots. Oh, sorry. Before I get there, let me get ahead of myself. The injury report here for the Denver Broncos. Uh, center Brett Jones is out. Uh, he's been placed on the reserve COVID list. Melvin Gordon III, the running back, has a hip and shoulder injury. He did not practice on Wednesday. Uh, other names for the Broncos showing up include Bobby Massey, Shelby Harris, Kareem Jackson, Tyree Cleveland. Uh, Garrett Boyles, their offensive tackle, has an illness, non-COVID related. Uh, he could be available for Sunday, but highly doubtful. Calvin Anderson, another offensive tackle, is listed as doubtful. Uh, Coach Fangio says that he will miss some time. Uh, reason undetermined at this point. The Kansas City Chiefs list Kalen Saunders, the defensive tackle. Uh, was placed on injury reserve Tuesday, undisclosed as far as what the injury was. Jarek McKinnon was put on injury reserve with a hamstring injury uh, as well. Other than that, pretty solid for the Chiefs here, so they look like they're raring to go. Now, the Monday night football game, uh, which we have two fans here who have quite a bit to say about it. The New England Patriots visit the Buffalo Bills. The Patriots fall from, excuse me, climb from nine to seven in the power rankings. The Bills move from eight to six 
The Bills, as the home team, are two-and-a-half-point favorites. Everyone is picking the Bills, except me. I'm picking the Patriots, and this is not out of some little homerism or anything like that. I've seen this movie before. It's not pretty. (laughs) It's Belichick, and I I really didn't want to pick them, but uh, I'll, I'll let Rob, our Bills fan, start here. And he says, Bills Patriots, Monday Night Football. Pat shuffled off to Buffalo for a primetime game where everyone in Buffalo will start drinking at 7 a.m. and somehow still be hyped for the game. Bills Mafia, baby. Bills and offense will have trouble because not only is the Patriots defense talented, they're coached really well. This won't be a repeat of last year where Diggs went off on a Monday night game in New England. New England is great at stopping one th- the one thing you do. I think they game plan to slow down Diggs who has been the clear top target lately. I do think the Bills can get Knox going in this game. Points will be a bit harder to come by for the Bills this week, and O.C. Brian Dayball will have to uh, be a step ahead. Cannot be too predictable on offense. Breida will pose challenges with his speed, and I feel like this might be a sneaky Gabe Davis game. On defense, the Bills are going to have trouble with CB1 Trey White being out for the year. Bills need to get that pass rush going which has been rather inconsistent this year. Defense coordinator Leslie Frazier will draw up some stuff for Mac Jones that he has not seen, and the Bills typically do well against rookie quarterbacks. Having Milano and Edmonds both healthy is huge for this game. In the end, Bills figure out a way to circle the wagons. Good guys get the win. Pat's 20, Bills 23. And Pat Verchance, our Patriots fan, got a little wordy here. Man, I don't even know where to start here. Uh, Strap in because it's a long one. Well, 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 I'd like to say it's an old nemesis, but this rivalry, despite being in the division together for decades, is a really new one. The Patriots have dominated the Bills and everyone else in the past, but this is new. Or is it? Having seen what Buffalo Rob has already written, allow me to retort. While Stephen Diggs is almost certainly the top target, Dawson Knox will be contained as well. The Patriots are going to do everything they can to force the Bills to run the ball, which might be counterintuitive, but I suspect this will be the game plan. Oh, and did I mention weather is most likely going to be a factor in this one? The rain or snow might be done by game time, but the winds off off the lake are always a problem and unpredictable, and that is something you can't practice. The Bills' best chance of success on offense is going to come from their second or third wide receiver option. So Gabriel Davis, Emmanuel Sanders, Cole Beasley, these guys are going to have to step up in this game. If the Pats do shut down the passing game, as I suspect, I also imagine Josh Allen is going to take the biggest load of the rushing. And that's where the Bills will find themselves in trouble. They must trust that second or third wide receiver, and they have to be patient with their running backs, which they have not been so far this season. The Pats on offense are going to run the ball and then run the ball some more. It's going to be all about short, quick passes. I suspect we'll see a lot of the more classic Patriots screen game to limit the the effect of the win we'll have on the ball. Jacoby Myers has proven to be extremely efficient slot receiver, and Kidrick Bourne has emerged as a true weapon in the passing game. If the Bills sleep on Aguilar, which they should, he might make one big play on a risky deep throw. Um, that's a lot of hopeful wishing right there. I know we don't like talking about kickers, but Nick Folk leads the league in scoring and Tyler Bass is 
plenty of experience kicking those swirling lake winds to make this area push as well. And that's how this game will be won. It's going to be a closer one with one big play being the difference in the game. Unlike the game last year where Cam Newton was driving the Patriots to a win and had a critical fumble in the red zone to lose the game, this team won't do that. The big plays come from the rookie and the Bills get the win. Yup, as Rob pointed out, the Bills will get Mac Jones antsy in the pocket. And he's going to make that one throw he shouldn't make, and that will seal the deal. I think 17-14 is close to the outcome of this slogfest ugly game. Thank the God the Mannings are back to keeping the conversation interesting. The Patriots are poised to take back their rifle position atop. But in the classic words of Darth Vader, you're not a Jedi yet. They know the key word there is yet. See you in a couple of weeks in Foxborough. And yeah, um, these two teams, I believe, play twice in three weeks, if I'm not mistaken, due to scheduling quirks at the end of the year. Yes, uh, that that is true. Um, they, they will see each other again at the end of December. Yeah. Excuse me. Three, uh, three weeks later. Yeah. Uh, it, it, look. The day after Christmas. Yeah. Th- this, th- this matchup the last couple of years, I remember three years ago, we we're like, yeah, the bills are there. They're coming. They're rounding the bend and they get swept. And last year they sweep the Patriots. And this year it's going to be, I mean, I don't know what to expect from this game. I, I do know that defensively Bill Belichick, is probably the greatest defensive mind to ever coach in football. And I threw up in my mouth saying that (laughs) there is nothing specific, the Patriots scheme on defense to stop you. It's what you do that they take away. Everyone knows this. He's been doing it over 20 years and yeah, Diggs may get one or two, but he's going to draw JC Jackson. So those secondary receivers, Dawson Knox, a tight end, if Bill schemes properly, those guys are going to have minimal impact because, I mean, he's not just going to take away the main guy. He's going to try to take away as many receiving options as possible to, to make Allen just hold the rock. MJ, anything to add before we get to the uh, injuries here? So I've been – I've gone back and forth between who I'm picking between Buffalo and New England. Um, and I'm still not confident in my pick that Buffalo is going to win this game. But then I go and I look at New England's schedule, and I look at their last one, two, three, four, five. I look at their last six wins. And out of those six wins, I'm looking at the teams that they beat, and I don't necessarily know that that's something to be proud of. For the Patriots? Um, yeah, the two um, best teams they be, I mean, again, the Jets, the Chargers, the Panthers, the Browns, the Falcons, the Titans. Looking at those wins, the two best teams out of there are the Chargers and the Titans. Um, so that's why I'm kind of like they're on they're on a solid six game winning streak, but I look at the teams that they're beating. And, and don't get me wrong, there's a lot to be said for just getting the win that builds your confidence. And even wins over less than stellar teams is still a confidence for your team. So there's a part of me that says Buffalo is definitely the better team. Buffalo comes out, Buffalo wins the game. But then I look at New England and who they beat, and I'm just kind of like, I don't 
I don't know. I honestly don't know. This would be one that I'd probably truly let the flip of a coin decide, to be honest. You know, I, I, I hear what you're saying, but look at what the defense has done in those I granted it's a six game win streak, but just look at the four the last four games in particularly. Defense has held the opponents to six, seven, zero, and thirteen points. Right. Twenty six points those... over Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Tw- no, go ahead. Twenty six twenty six points in the last four games is what the defense has given up. Twenty six. I don't think there's another team in the NFL who's done that over over a four game win streak or any of their win streaks. No, no other team has held four straight opponents to a combined 26 points this season. Look at the opponents. Um, the Browns and Titans are two of those opponents. Right. And again, that's what, again, I don't. <sighs> there's a lot of talent on the Browns offense. And there's, I mean, granted the Titans didn't have everybody, but I mean, it's still the Titans. Right. That's why I say, yeah, no, but that's what I'm saying. Out of those four, the Titans, in my opinion, are the best team out of those last four wins they got. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and to hold them to 13? Again, absolutely. But again, I then look at the Falcons and the Panthers. Ooh, we held the Falcons to no points. Was anybody really surprised by that? As much as I love my team, was anybody surprised by that? No. Yes, because no I expected y'all to score. <laughs> okay. Um, I know you I weren't going to win, right. but I expected you to score. <laughs> I, I expected them to score too, but I'm not surprised that they didn't. You did you watch the game? Unfortunately. Okay, so you saw exact same thing out there that I saw. I, I wanted mean, them yeah, to it score. made my eyes bleed, but I mean that's a whole other story. Um, I hate you, James. <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. <laughs> But what? At least I didn't call it their at, bye week. Oh my! You know what? I'm I'm done. I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> I got nothing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, you no, you're not. I mean, no, a little no, bit. Not. I'm, no, no, I'm, you're not. I'm no, about not. two, somewhere between two to five percent sorry. <laughs> I'd probably say somewhere between zero and one and a half, but you know that's just me. Needless to say, I don't know who will win this game because I think you're, we, we've got two quality teams, and I just don't know. I don't other, – other than Belichick and his ability to take away your number one weapon, I don't know that either of these teams has a clear advantage over the other. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, injuries here, there are quite a few players who are actually listed as out um, on this one. Uh, Tommy Doyle, the offensive tackle, has been placed on the reserve COVID list for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, he is out. Guard Joe Feliciano uh, has been designated to return from injured reserve. Uh, of course, Tredavious White was placed on injured reserve uh, after Sunday's contest. Uh, he has a knee injury, I believe, torn ACL. That puts him out for the year. For the Patriots, Kyle Duggar, their safety, he is out. He's on the reserve COVID list. Uh, Jamie Collins Sr. Uh, was spotted at practice, uh, so he may be close to coming off the injured reserve list. Uh, running back J.J. Taylor is going to be out. He was placed on the COVID reserve list, and uh, that is all we have at 
this point for that Monday night tilt should very well be a good one. There are four teams on the bye this week. The Cleveland Browns, who fall from 14 to 17 in our power rankings. The Green Bay Packers move up from three to two in our power rankings. The Titans fall from six to eight in the power rankings. And the Carolina Panthers fall from 22 to 26. Uh, Josh, excuse me, Jordan, our Titan fan, did write in this week, uh, Titans, thank God we have a bye. That is all. <laughs> uh, Jordan, I understand your pain. And um, trust me, a- a- after my team gets smacked silly by the Jets, we have a bye. And uh, ho- hopefully the coaching staff pulls their heads out of their butts and do something different for the last five games of the season. But I'm not going to hold my breath. Uh MJ, anything to add for this week's games? Um, anything you're looking forward to um, other than I'm your squad? For, um, I am looking forward. What am I looking forward to this week? Um, Dallas slaughtering New Orleans. That I, <laughs> I should have known. Of course, it goes back to Saints hate. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, you're not. Just like you told me a few (laughs) minutes ago, you're not sorry. (laughs) No, no, I'm really not. (laughs) You're not sorry at all. Mm -mm, Not even a little bit. Nope. Mm -mm, I'm not. I don't deny the hate. I don't. Which is really, really interesting because my little brother lives in New Orleans and we have this great amount of hate for each other over our team. So it's wonderful. Oh, my goodness. Well, folks, that's going to do it for this week's edition of Next Fan Up. Again, if you would like to reach out to us and chide us, praise us, call us morons, or say you don't know what you're talking about, you can reach out to us via email at nextfanup at gmail.com or on Facebook or Twitter at nextfanup. For MJ, Falcons fan, I'm James, your Eagles fan, and we are done trying to do the challenge of finding the mysterious pod is there somebody else here now oh geez oh. nice dude let's go <laughs> get out of my face i'm running out of breath and also out of energy i'm gonna see you later bye